0: This is The Drive Podcast with Josh Graham. Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you? Check out The Drive weekday afternoons at 3 on WSJS
1: Sports. So glad to have you on this Friday Drive, closing out the week the right way. WSJS News Talk Sports for the Triad. It's a monster weekend for the state of North Carolina, where in two buildings side side by side from each other in Raleigh, the center of the hockey world is going to be at Carter-Finley Stadium for the outdoor game the Carolina Hurricanes are having against the Washington Capitals. But before we do that hockey, as the kids say, let's talk about the game we're going to see on the other side of the parking lot Sunday afternoon at PNC Arena, that's NC State facing North Carolina. It'll be just the third time since 1955 that these two teams have met where NC State is the ranked team and Carolina isn't. And even though State's been the better team all year long, and you can kind of make the argument when you talk about karma. Remember, the first meeting with Baby T going down and Armando Baycott wearing the shades afterwards. Uh-huh. You can make a good argument, a compelling argument for State. We've seen this movie before. Don't expect a different ending to the movie. WD's going to watch Hoosiers for the first time in the next week. Last night, I went back and watched Hoosiers. It'd be like expecting Jimmy Chitwood to miss a shot at the end of the game rather than doing what he's done every time you've watched the movie over the last few decades. Carolina is going to win in Raleigh. That's what happens. That's how the movie goes. When Carolina is at PNC, it is not a home court advantage for the pack. If that doesn't make sense to you, you probably have not been to a state Carolina game there. The pack, the last decade, has won exactly one time against North Carolina at PNC arena. And it's not a coincidence the one time they did was when no fans were allowed in the building in 2020, 2021. Because when fans, when state fans are in the building for that game, and this game's been sold out for a long time, it usually sells out when Carolina's there. It's tension that you feel. You see, you feel the past scars of state fans. And we know state fans. There are scars there. They've been through a lot. NC State stuff. It's a real thing. That comes to a head when Carolina's there. And if it's a close game, four or five minutes left to go, that radiates from the stands. And it's something that you can feel when you're in the building. It's palpable. You feel the tension. And I guarantee you, that affects the players too. They feel that pressure. When's the last time you can remember the pressure, the onus of winning, being on NC State rather than North Carolina? And that's not even talking about the pressure that I'm talking about that comes from the stands. I don't know if NC State is going to be able to deal with that well. Meanwhile, the Tar Heels, their backs are against the wall. And they're so dangerous, as we've learned the last few years, when they're in those situations. We saw it happen last year. You lose the pit. How did they respond? Went on a run. Beat Duke and Coach K's last game at Cameron. Many of the same guys are back. They're resilient. Last week we saw it. Coming to Jesus meeting, that 30 minute locker room team meeting after the game in Winston-Salem. And how did they follow that up? Blowing out Clemson, an NCAA tournament team, we think, at home by 20 plus points. You cannot fake urgency. North Carolina's the one with doubt as to whether they're going to make the tournament. Not NC State. They need a quad one win. They don't have any. That's what tomorrow would be. You cannot fake urgency. You can make the arguments for karma and all these things. I will take the desperate team. The team that I know needs to win this basketball game. And that's North Carolina. Hubert Davis spoke in the last couple of hours. And while he wouldn't acknowledge the urgency of a game like this, he did talk about the consistency piece of it and how it's been frustrating that he can't channel what we saw Saturday at Clemson more often. You see kind of the seesaw effect where you lose at Wake and it's bad, then you win against Clemson, then you lose at home to Miami. Here he was speaking to that.
0: What I always focus on is the process. Like, I want us to reach our full potential. And I don't think we have. And I want us to play really well. And I feel like this season has been inconsistent from the standpoint of, I feel like, you know, we take a couple steps forward and then we take a step back. And so uh, that's what my focus is on because I feel like if this team continues to improve, and this team plays up to its potential, I don't have to answer that question. I think it'll take care of itself.
1: But you might be thinking, Josh, you've been talking for over five minutes now and you haven't given me any basketball reason why NC State is going to lose this game. Give me some basketball analysis. Okay, here's some X's and O's. Leaky Black versus beyond Smith. That's going to be a story, not just because he was the one, the foul T, that led to him being stretchered off and all of that, Leakey's a really good defender. We know this. He held Hunter Tyson to a season low last Saturday. And Tyson is an arguable first-team All-ACC guy. In three games against Leakey Black in Carolina, Terquavion Smith is 22 of 58 shooting. That's under 40%. He's under 30% from three-point range. That is the Leakey Black effect on a game. So we've seen this movie before. Don't expect a different ending. North Carolina is going to win in Raleigh Sunday afternoon. On Twitter at WSGS Radio, if you want in, 336-777-1600 is the phone number. Will Dalton, the executive producer of this show. WD, got some news for you. Have you seen who the Panthers' new offensive coordinator is? I have not. Thomas Brown is the new OC, which tells me he is the L.A. Rams assistant head coach. He's been under... Sean McVay, for the last three or four years, he was the running backs coach, and then the assistant head coach worked with tight ends too. So he's been in several different rooms. What this tells me, you bring Sean McVay ideas to the room, but Frank Reich is going to be the actual play caller. That's what this strikes me as, and I think that's a good thing. He's going to try to learn from the lesson from Indianapolis where he gave the play-calling duties to Nick Sirianni. He leaves to become the Eagles coach, And it's a big drop-off when it comes to chemistry between the coaching staff and players when you lose your play caller. So the head coach as a play caller is what I would expect to see in Charlotte this year. I don't think Thomas Brown's going to be calling the plays. So we talked about North Carolina and NC State on Sunday. Hockey is, I think, the bigger story given the event itself of what we're going to see Saturday night. The Carolina Hurricanes are facing the Washington Capitals. And here's how the sports scene... (laughs) Here's how the sports scenes usually worked in the past in the state of North Carolina. Ever since the Hornets came into existence, at least here in the triad, and since the Carolina Hurricanes came into existence, we will root for those teams... But we're not really going to follow it that closely until the playoffs get here. And you might be feeling that way with the Canes. This is what I would say to you, though. Now that the Super Bowl's over, now is the time to jump on the bandwagon a little bit early when it comes to the Canes. Because every week something special happens. Three weeks ago, they had an empty netter scored on them. The game seemed over. They're down two goals with a minute 18 left to go. They score two goals in the final minute, tie it up, win it in overtime. A week after that, down three goals in the third. They rally back to win the game. Last night, they honored Cam Ward. They, Seth Jarvis had his first career hat trick. Every week, something special happens. It's a bona fide front runner we're talking about here. It's won nine of their last 10, points in 12 of their last 13, second-best record in the sport to Boston, who they've already beaten this year and got a point from the first meeting with Boston. Boston. Tomorrow would be a perfect time to jump in. The national stage is going to be the National Hockey Spotlight is going to be on the state of North Carolina and the outdoor game, and I'm so glad I'm going to be there for it. Can't wait to watch it. The Super Bowl's over. Football's done unless you count the XFL and USFL, which I don't. Jump on the Carolina Hurricanes bandwagon. I think you'll be rewarded for doing so. Let's get the show going! It's The Drive with Josh Graham. As a fan of the movies, there was some amazing sound I heard this week with Steven Spielberg and Tom Cruise that I'd like for you to find WD. See if you can locate this. You do know who Steven
2: Spielberg is, yes? Yeah, he directed Indiana Jones. Or produced it. One of the two. I don't know. He directed Indy. Okay. I thought maybe you George Lucas it? was in there somewhere.
1: Yeah, George Lucas was a part of that process. They're very close friends. Yes. Yes. Do you know any other movies that Steven Spielberg has directed? Let's go through the list of movies that Ah. Spielberg has done, and you can tell me if you've seen any of these
2: movies. This is always one of my favorite games. Or I tell you no every time you enjoy that?
1: Yeah, I've got a feeling you've seen some of these. Probably. Have you seen E.T.? No. (sighs) Jurassic Park. No. Schindler's List.
2: Bits and pieces. That
1: does not count. <laughs> Doesn't count. I know. Have you heard the song? I've heard bits and pieces of the song. No, you either consume art as a whole or you don't, haven't seen it at all. Jaws. No.
2: I'm going to take bits and pieces of that one too. No, you, you, you can't. It's not like I've not seen any of it. I don't know what it is. You don't know what it is? No, I'm saying it's not like I don't know what it is. Like I've seen clips of it on YouTube. Well, (laughs) the fact that you're alive and have a pulse tells me
1: that you know what Jaws is. I I mean, I bet you know what it is, but having seen it is the important thing. Lincoln. No. Ready Player One. No. Super 8. No. War of the Worlds. No. Okay.
2: I I was thinking about War of the Worlds, though, for ones he directed. Taking notes of all these things.
1: We'll see if we can get to that sound a bit. As he tries to locate it, our sights turn to Wake Forest basketball and their matchup with number 15 Miami tomorrow. Wake Forest is due for a quad one win. And starting tomorrow at Miami, they have two more opportunities to get one at Miami tomorrow night, at NC State next Wednesday. That's it. Those are their two chances to get one of those wins. They have to win at least one of the two, maybe even both, to get into the NCAA tournament. Their last four opportunities against quad ones have been decided by single digits. All four of those games. The last two were on the road and were decided by two points apiece. At Duke, at Pittsburgh. They've had every opportunity. And Steve Forbes... It doesn't really concern me that much that this game's on the road at Coral Gables. It's not like Miami has the strongest fan base for basketball. Steve Forbes, he has a good road record. Went to Coles this year and beat Wisconsin. Last year, beat both the Virginia schools. Sarah Bradford took issue yesterday with me saying both the Virginia schools as if Virginia is on the same level as Virginia Tech. She's like, no, 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 Josh. Virginia is the school in the state of Virginia. UVA is the school. Virginia Tech just exists. Don't put them oh. side by side. So she might take an issue with that. Wake Forest could be best equipped to handle Miami's guards. Think of this matchup. You tell me if there's another team you can name in college basketball. Okay, not college basketball. We'll just limit the scope to the ACC. Miami's guards versus Wake's guards. Is there another team with better guard play than these two teams in the ACC? Miami has Isaiah Wong, has uh, Nigel Pack, who they paid for in the offseason, as Jim Beheim has pointed out (laughs) in the past. Then you got Jordan Miller, who, when Wong's not going off, he can just go for 27 against North Carolina this week. Wake Forest, meanwhile, has Ty Appleby, who leads the ACC in scoring and assists. Damari Monsanto, who might be the best three-point shooter in the conference. You got Cam Hildreth, who dropped the triple-double in a game earlier this year, and Davian Williamson, who has scored a ton of points in college basketball, a very experienced player. That's four dudes that you can rely on, that Wake Forest has. Really like the direction the Deeks are going in, and these two teams, if you want to watch two of the four best offenses go head-to-head in the ACC, that's what you got tomorrow with Miami facing Wake Forest. And a Wake win? It wouldn't be a shock, but... (sighs) Miami's the pick. Duke and Miami are the only two ACC teams that are unbeaten at home this year. And Wake having a week off. That should be a great advantage in a regular situation, but Miami played Monday night last. So they've had five days to prepare for this game at home. So they've had ample time to prepare as well. I think it's going to be a really high-scoring game. Could Wake Forest get it? they are do it, sure. I just venture to say it's going to be Miami winning this game. WD says he's found this Tom Cruise Steven Spielberg sound. They're together, they're on the circuit at all these award shows leading up to the Oscars in a few weeks. Tom Cruise for Top Gun, Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans and this is Spielberg talking to Tom Cruise at one of these award shows. Like,
0: you know, you say, you say, so, you say so I'm in Your is
1: If you can't make out what he just said there, that's Steven Spielberg telling Tom Cruise that he saved Hollywood's butt and went as far to say he saved theatrical distribution. Pretty big comment from Steven Spielberg to Tom Cruise. And what he means by theatrical distribution, I think, is that given the time where it came out, when there was more of a push to have movies go straight to streaming on HBO Max or to some of these other places, the fact that Top Gun Maverick was released in theaters and broke all sorts of records for opening weekends and people going out to see it in the theater and to see it multiple times, we're now seeing a push this summer for movies not to go straight to streaming but instead go back to the movie theater. So that's an industry that I've worried about, movie theaters, for years now. Pushing off those concerns for a few years, Top Gun Maverick, that's what it did. And what's interesting about it is there always seems to be a disconnect when you talk about these award shows between what the audience is like and what the critics deem to be the highest quality movie that's out there. When's the last time you remember a blockbuster or a movie that was incredibly popular in the box office winning Best Picture? It just doesn't happen. So... It'd be like Get Out winning a few years ago, which maybe it should have over The Shape of Water that I think won that year. You haven't had a conversation about Shape of Water with anybody except making fun of the fact that it's a fish person love story. It's the only thing conversation you've had probably about that movie. So I only say that to say, is there any chance that Top Gun: Maverick, for what it did for movies, that Steven Spielberg saying this type of thing, that it could break that mold, it could break that uh, drought for blockbuster movies? And potentially be a contender to win Best Picture. I don't know. WD, I venture to say you haven't seen the new Top Gun movie? I have not. Have you seen the original?
2: Well, yeah. we, we That was one of the movies I watched. You knew that. Testing you. Yeah. The Drive with Josh Graham. Only on wSjs
1: Over the last couple of decades, few have had a better pulse on the Raleigh sports scene than Luke DeCock has from the Raleigh News and Observer. He's won NSMA, North Carolina Sports Writer of the Year, before longtime columnist out that way. So ahead of such a massive sports weekend that you guys have up there, I appreciate you joining us. Let's start with State Carolina, actually, on Sunday. Finish the sentence for me. This is NC State's biggest home game
0: since? The Duke game? I mean, it's 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 a big game for NC I would argue that despite the NCAA tournament implications, it's a bigger game for State than North Carolina because, look, uh, objectively, analytically, uh, uh, anecdotally, subjectively, NC State is a better team this year than North Carolina. But none of that matters if you can't beat. Carolina, so I think this is a big game for NC State. Um, You know, head-to-head evaluation of teams is not a great way to evaluate who's a better team, but it's what sticks with you, and it's an easy data point. It's it 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 gets caught in people's minds. Players think about it. NC State being seeded higher than UNC in Greensboro is going to feel pretty hollow if the Wolfpack loses to Carolina twice. So I think this is a big game for NC State's psyche uh it, it there are some ncaa tournament implications um obviously carolina desperately needs a road win but i i think in the big picture not the ncaa tournament picture not the seeding picture in the big picture uh this is a game that nc state needs to win just to kind of prove it's the kind of team that it's shown it has been in other games showed it was against duke um against miami other teams um but not uh not against carolina and obviously there's a a bit of a history there in, in this rivalry of Carolina having the upper hand, especially when Roy Williams was coaching. And, you know, this is a time for NC state at home, uh, what will be a big crowd uh, to, to prove that it it can beat Carolina because they've just got to get that, got to get over that hump. And, 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 you know, every other indication it says States better, but it's hard to make that argument when they've lost to Carolina twice.
1: I have a theory. I'm interested in what you think of it, getting to the history State has won at PNC Arena against Carolina one time in the last decade, and that was when fans were not allowed in the building. I've been to a handful of these State Carolina games, and you can just feel the tension. It's palpable amongst NC State fans that want it so bad to the point where if you're a player, you have to feel that when you're out on the court. It almost feels like it's not so much a home court advantage when you're playing North Carolina in this rivalry at home because of the pressure that the players feel from all these years, these decades of angst that's radiating from the stands.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's true in any rivalry. I mean, I think when Carolina's down to Duke at home in the Smith Center, you feel that too. And you certainly, there's no question that that was the predominant emotion during the second half of of Carolina's win at Duke last year when the entire Duke basketball alumni Alumni posse was standing up there shifting their weight from foot to foot and looking at the ceiling, realizing that this was about to go very bad. So I I think that's a pretty typical rivalry dynamic. It's exacerbated when you haven't had a lot of success. But, you know, that's why when you look at college basketball rivalries in general, whether it's Duke and Carolina or State and Carolina or Kentucky and Louisville, allegedly the greatest rivalry there is. Uh, or Duke and Syracuse, ESPN's greatest rivalry in the ACC, Uh, the road team tends to have a lot of success. That's one, because teams are evenly matched, but two, because there's a lot of pressure in that environment not to lose. Um, And I don't think any team has faced more pressure not to lose than Duke in in Mike Krzyzewski's final home game. And you could see that team almost wilt under that pressure. Um, I think that's what's happened to State a lot against Carolina because that's the game their fans would rather win would would least like to lose more than any any other. And certainly in the Roy Williams era, Carolina embraced that part of it and enjoyed inflicting that pain on NC State.
1: Luke DeCox with us here from the Raleigh News and Observer. Getting to the outdoor game, you've documented now for four or five years this journey to get to this game tomorrow. Just how important do you believe it to be to Kane's owner Tom Dundon and to the organization as a whole?
0: I mean, it's it's important. It's something that he talked about the 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 day he closed on the sale of the team, and they had the big press conference, or you know, the, the technically the day after he closed. Uh, it's it is very important in that respect. It's because of you know he wanted it because it's cool and it would help sell the team. But to be honest, since 2018, so much has changed that I'm not sure it has that kind of importance anymore. The franchise is on stronger footing. Uh, it's competitive. They're spending to the top of the salary cap, which they you know hadn't done before. They have a ton of good young talent. They have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. Um, you know that the NHL was worried about ticket sales for this game. Anyone who lives here can tell you that was ludicrous. Uh, it, it just, you know, it, it's, it's not some huge milestone. It's more a celebration of how far the franchise has come in these five years. And they don't really need it to do marketing. You know, the team's selling itself just fine which means there's less pressure on this. This becomes more of a festival of hockey in North Carolina, which is really what it, it's going to be between the, you know, the big party in, in downtown Raleigh today, uh, the, the game tomorrow, the alumni game, the NC State UNC club hockey game. Um, they've done a lot of things to make this the, the, the state Carolina basketball game. They've done a lot of things to make this the focal point of a big weekend. And, and so there's, I don't, you know, know that it's that it's particularly important to the franchise, I think the franchise has come so far since this idea was first proposed that it's less important now than it was then. But that doesn't make it any less fun or significant. uh, Or, I mean, look, I've been out there the last two weeks. It looks better than I ever could have imagined. And there was a time. You got the skate on the ice, right?
1: You actually got the skate on the ice.
0: Yeah, yeah. There was a time when I couldn't ever imagine this happening. And yet there I was out there yesterday uh, before the Hurricanes game against the Canadians. Uh, across the street stating on an ice rink in the middle of Carter Finley Stadium where I've stood on that field a million times and never would have thought I'd be out there in ice skate. so you know there is it is the culmination of a lot of sort of improbabilities over the years but the fact that they're this close to pulling it off and it's going to be sold out with 57,000 people in there and there's other hockey events around it today and, and and Sunday and Monday um, just suggests that there's, you know, uh, the, the this is a reinforcement uh, rather than a, a catalyst uh, of the growth of hockey and, and how far it's come here. Not just since the team moved here 25 years ago, but really in the last five years, it's it's a you know it's a culmination of that rebirth.
1: I'm glad you took the angle though about the growth of the organization because I think it's so easy to get caught in your bubble where you sit. And Panther fans dealt with this, too, I think, to a degree in Charlotte, where they're like, oh, man, we're a 500 organization. This is bad. Oh, things could be a lot better. Woe is me. And I'm thinking, you guys came into the league at the same time as the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Panthers have been to two Super Bowls, had a league MVP, defensive players of the year. You've had true legends play for you. Find a skill position player for the Jags as good as Steve Smith was. And when you relate it to the Carolina Hurricanes – you look, there are 11 organizations, I think, today who have never won the Stanley Cup. Canada hasn't had a title in 30 years. And the Canes won one in 06. They went to another. They're so good right now. Hosted the draft. Hosted an all-star game. You got the outdoor game. When you look at success stories for the NHL, expansion-wise, I know Tampa's had a lot of success over the last 30 years. Hard-pressed to find one better than what the Canes have done, especially when you look at the resilience of last decade, No.
0: Well, you know, I think that there are all there are still some sort of sore spots. Arizona being number one, but look, Nashville's done a great job. They haven't won anything yet, but they played for a Stanley Cup. Vegas, that, that city went nuts. Um, they had an outdoor game before Raleigh, which is fine. Um, you know, it, it's you know, you have Florida and Tampa. have I and Florida's come around. They had a great team last year. They struggled this year, but people care. More. Look, I went to a lot of, I went to that building in Sunrise a lot of nights for eight years when there was nobody in there. There's people in there, and not just when the Canadians come to town. Um, So a lot of these markets, not just Raleigh, but Nashville and and Florida and certainly Tampa um, have have grown and thrived. I mean, one of the keys for Nashville and Tampa, and this is relevant to Raleigh, has been the development around the arena that makes going to a game, not just rolling up in your car, watching the game and leaving, but part of an evening, part of an event. There's things to do before and things to do afterward, bars and restaurants, and PNC has none of that. Now, we're talking now about that happening. So it'll be more like if you can't have a downtown arena, can you bring downtown to the arena um, to the kind of experience that Nashville has or Washington has? Um, but but, you know, other than Atlanta, which was obviously a, a failure in Arizona, which has struggled, a, a lot of these markets have done well. I was in Colorado when the Avalanche right after the Avalanche moved there, um, you know, that franchise had some immediate success, but took a little while to really put down the kind of roots it's put down. Um, you know, Dallas was not a lock. Um, even places like St. Louis were a little tenuous for a while. So and, and look, everyone said, well, they didn't go in Raleigh when the team was bad. People didn't go in Chicago when the team is bad. I know I grew up there. So so these markets can work. You just you have to put a winning team on the ice and give people a reason to come out. For 10 years, the Hurricanes didn't really do that. They did before that. They have now. Um, but that's what you have to do uh, in any market, whether it's Buffalo or, or Ottawa uh, or Chicago or Detroit people are gonna come when there's something to watch and and if you put a bad team out there that doesn't have uh, you know an identity and, and doesn't play hard and and you, you tell people that that it's fillet Mignon when you're selling them stew meat people are smart yeah. they're not gonna fall for the banana in the tailpipe like this is you gotta you gotta honor these fans and 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 the hurricanes have.
1: Luke DeCock with us here. You've always done an excellent job circling back to basketball about talking about ACC officiating. I'd encourage people to go to Newsobserver.com and read some of the stories you've had recently advocating for something like a pool reporter at ACC basketball games for situations like Duke and UVA and not having sports information folks try to run down referees. And you had you know a story about a month ago about the young roster, the younger roster of officials that we've seen this year in the ACC. You've described it this week as a credibility problem for the ACC. Is that because of the officiating itself being worse or because of social media, sports gambling, et cetera, making our expectation as a collective higher for the officials?
0: I don't think it's any worse than it has been. It's not any worse in the ACC than it is in any other power Five conference, and we have experimental proof of that because the acc brings in the best guys from the sec and big 12 to work these monday games when they only have one or two games so they can give their whole staff a night a night off and people complain just about just as much about acc referees in those games with these guys who barely work in the acc so um you know there's a lot of scrutiny on it the state of college basketball officiating in general is not great It's just, it has some issues. There are some potential answers. There are some things that people think are answers that aren't. Um, But the reality is, and people need to understand this referees get more calls right now than ever before. We didn't have DVRs and the ability to go frame by frame in even in 2010, uh, let alone 2000 or 1990 or 1970. Um, The technical quality of officiating has never been higher, but the scrutiny on officials has never been higher. Um, And that makes it very difficult to find a balance. Then when you have what is objectively a screw up as what happened at Duke and Virginia, it calls all this into question. It hasn't helped this year, Josh, that ACC coaches and whether this is because it's a changing of the guard or whatever, uh, have been more vocal about complaining about officials. No, no,
1: no. They're just stating facts, Luke they're just stating, yeah, facts. stating facts and josh pasner um, he's not yeah, I doing i don't,
0: I don't, I don't think hubert got sympathy cards from kevin keats or jim Beheim after his team had 30 free throw advantages in those games yeah i don't um, think it's a coincidence
1: not- that after the most watched a uh college basketball game so far this year two days later according to josh pasner the memo went out
0: yeah it's just i don't think the coaches have helped the situation they've fueled the fire, and they've given credence to some of this, and that just makes things worse. That's easy for me to say I'm not a coach. Uh, my career, my livelihood doesn't depend on whether or not a guy's having a good day, which is Josh Passner's point all along, other than the memo, has been college basketball referees have more influence over the outcome of a game than referees in any other sport. I don't know whether that's actually true or not, but I know that Josh Passner believes it. And of all the crazy things that Josh Passner believes – that's one of the more reasonable ones. He's right because of the way that the block charge rule is adjudicated um, because the officials play a larger role in the game than they do in the NBA where there's sort of a let the kids play mentality and officials are quicker to call things at times in college basketball because players foul out more and and coaches react differently to foul trouble than they do in the NBA. Coaches, uh, referees in college basketball do have an outsized impact on the game. And, you know, you look at the end of the NC State-Syracuse game, Kevin Keats would argue there was a series of four or five calls in sequence that all went against NC State and were 50-50 calls. And if you flip a coin five times, it's unlikely to come up tails five times in a row. But that's what happened. It cost NC State an important road win in a game where they felt like they outplayed Syracuse. So that can be frustrating. That can be, you know, uh, I mean, obviously the conversation that Kevin Keats had with Jim Boeheim was Kevin saying, Jim, you know I got screwed. And Boeheim saying, hey, I feel you. It's happened to me before. Uh, not exactly in those words. Sure. If you can read lips. There were mm-hmm. a few other different words in there. But, you know, everyone thought they were yelling at each other. They were actually commiserating. But I feel like we end up kind of circling around the same campfire to tell the same stories every year. Um, I do think there are some solutions. You know, everyone says, well, make these guys full time, or they should work less, or they shouldn't travel as much. I mean, I think there are ways to manage schedules, but the reality is if you tell one of the really good officials not to work a game, you're going to get a crappy official instead, or I shouldn't say that a less, a less proficient official instead because there's a limited pool of excellent officials and the game kind of decided a while ago, we'd rather have these guys travel a lot and work those crazy schedules. So we get the good referees on more games than have less good referees on games. So those guys can have a night off. I don't know that that's the right decision, But I know that that makes some sense when you look at it that way.
1: Luke the cock. I look forward to seeing you tomorrow,
0: buddy. All right. Thank you, Josh. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham.
1: I don't know if it's back due to popular demand, but it's going to be back. A segment we call Who's to Say? In 15 minutes or so. I haven't done that in a while. Sometimes it goes really well. Sometimes it doesn't. Find out together if it's a catastrophe or if it's something that's fun. The sports gods, they're going to be smiling on the state of North Carolina tomorrow because you could not script a better weather scenario in the month of February for the outdoor hockey game that the Hurricanes are having tomorrow. Like when you look at things here, WD. Let the rain come down today. Let it all pour out today so that tomorrow is perfect. What you want, if you're the NHL, You do not want rain. You do not want it to be warmer than usual. You can put up with some precipitation. You can put up with it being warm with the refrigerators they have down there to make the ice cold. But ideally, you want it as cold as it can be, and you certainly want it to be dry. And tomorrow, by about 10 to 15 degrees, It's the coldest day that we've seen in a week and a half in Raleigh. And it's the only day that doesn't have rain or cloud cover for a week running. It's the only day that that's the case. It reminds me of my wedding last year where when you're getting married in June... You're a little worried about some of the summer storms. You're worried about how hot is it going to be. And throughout the week, 85, 90 degrees every single day. The day before, there were some clouds. There was a little bit of rain. A storm blew through very quickly. But on my wedding day, 65, 70 degrees. Not a cloud in the sky. That's what tomorrow feels like. It's going to be in the hockey sense. It's going to be cold for February, but not so cold that it's miserable. No precipitation. It's exactly what you want. It's exactly what you scripted it to be. Exactly what they've hoped today that day would be for four or five years running. Think about this. When Tom Dundon became the Carolina Hurricanes owner in 2018— I think it was February of 2018. He had his press conference. And one of the things he said was not only are we going to have a competing team on the ice, which he's accomplished. We're going to modernize things around here. We're going to modernize our building. We're going to modernize what surrounds our building with restaurants and bars and opportunities to keep you on site where we're at. And on top of that, we're going to attract big events here such as an outdoor game. We're going to play that across the parking lot. We're going to do it. And it was supposed to happen in February of 2021. But because of the post-COVID timeline and all that, it got nuked, pushed two years later. So it's been a four or five-year odyssey to get to tomorrow night with the hope and dream, with your fingers crossed, that you would have a perfect weather evening, such as the one that... It looks like we're going to get tomorrow. And it's a game that Carolina should win. Canes, they have they have the second best record in the NHL right now. They've won nine of their last 10 and points in 12 of their last 13. And you're playing a Washington team that now doesn't have the biggest star in the sport on it. Alex Oveshkin isn't going to play. What that means is you're the story, as you should be. The state of North Carolina, the Hurricanes fan base, that's... The story. And that's a really good thing. So, thrilled for that. Excited to be in the building for it tomorrow night. Excited to also be at NC State, North Carolina on Sunday. It's a big, big weekend for the state of North Carolina as a whole. WD, can I tell you about the dumbest controversy that I've read this week? I'll allow it. Tiger Woods has made his return. Haven't seen him since... The British Open. We've talked about this. It's the Genesis Invitational. He is in danger of potentially missing the cut. They expect the cut to be even par. Tiger just... He finished his round plus three earlier today, putting him at one over par for the tournament. So it looks like he's going to miss the cut at the Genesis Invitational. That's never good when Tiger misses the cut, but it's just good to see him back out there. Frankly... That's not the dumb controversy. The dumb controversy centers on Justin Thomas, who was in his group. Big names in that group. Justin Thomas, Roy McIlroy, and Tiger Woods.
2: Have you seen this controversy with Justin Thomas? I think, I haven't looked into it, but I've I've seen it from afar. Oh,
1: you're going to be mad you're going to be furious with the rage of a thousand suns when you find out what Tiger Woods did yesterday. That's just enraged people. People, I don't think people will ever look at Tiger Woods again. Might be the most shameful thing Tiger Woods ever done. While he was participating in this invitational at Riviera Country Club in California, fans noticed Tiger <laughs> Outdrew, or he out, dr- he out hit Justin Thomas on a tee shot. Outdrove him.
2: I think I know where this is going.
1: And after out driving him, considering Justin Thomas is a lot younger than Tiger is, Tiger handed Justin Thomas a tampon.
2: Yep. <gasps> I saw that.
1: Unforgivable. <laughs> think of. How many years were setting back women? <laughs> oh the horror! Tiger out drove Justin Thomas. They're walking down the fairway. And somebody tweeted a picture of Tiger handing Justin Thomas a tampon, and Justin Thomas, as shameful as Tiger, smiled
2: and laughed. Oh! Are that, people making a big deal out of this? Oh, yes, I, they I'm are. Sh- I'm, it's a dumb joke. He's toy. not,
1: he is, they're not allies, WD. Uh. They're not. Shane Ryan took the to Twitter, condemned it. Tiger Woods' humor has always been lame, dumb jock type of stuff. Now he's becoming a prop comic. That's a new low. USA Today <laughs> said that this is childish and sexist. Is the joke here to stop playing like a girl? Or that periods and tampons indicate weakness. It's not funny. I've seen way too many people laughing at this. Do better, you too, Tiger. You hear that? Because I don't find it funny. And Justin Thomas does. He's bad and I'm better than him. And you should be better too. Shame on you for finding this funny. I am the person that decides what is funny. Now, is it childish? Yeah. Yeah. It is. (laughs) It is childish. It's really dumb. It's dumb. But do you know what's dumber than that? Telling people in the most snobbish way possible. There's nothing more snobbish than telling somebody what is and is not funny. And what is, what can and cannot be laughed at. That,
2: somehow, (laughs) that's that's the funny part about it. We see a lot of that these
1: days. Yeah, you do. You can't laugh at that. Shame on you! Like,
2: people will go to a stand-up comedy show and say exactly that. Many of these same people would celebrate the legends.
1: Oh, man. Love Eddie Murphy and Richard Pryor. Watch Delirious. And you tell me. You tell me how that go-over in 2023. Tell you it's a lot more. It's a lot worse than Tiger Woods handing a tampon over to Justin Thomas. Shameful. Never look at Tiger Woods the same way again. Shameful! A segment we're bringing back. I don't know if because anyone's asked for it, but we're bringing it back anyway. Who's to say? It's next on The Drive.
2: It's The Drive with Josh Graham, WSJ.
1: It's Friday. We should be in a good mood. I shouldn't be bummed out by anything. But to update a story that we just talked about where Tiger Woods shamelessly handed a tampon to Justin Thomas after out driving him on a hole. Tiger just got finished with his round. He shot three over. He's gonna miss the cut at the Genesis. You would think that Maybe that would be the focus of questions he's being asked after the fact. No, somebody asked him. I don't even know what the context of the question was. Asked him about handing Justin Thomas a tampon, and Tiger apologized.
2: Yeah, it was supposed to be, you know, all fun and games, but obviously it's, it hasn't turned out that way. And if I
1: offended anybody, it was not the case. It was just. Uh, friends having having fun and uh, as I said if if I offended anybody in any way shape or form I'm sorry um, it was not intended to be that way Uh, it's just you know we we play pranks on one another all the time and uh, virally I I think this did not come across that way but between us it was it's different man nothing nothing's sadder than hearing somebody apologize for something He does not need to apologize for. I wish he would have just answered the question. I thought it was funny. Clearly you guys didn't. Oh, well. Yes. That's it. We would appreciate that so much more. I work in com... I I don't work in comedy. I work in the entertainment business, so to speak. I work in things surrounding sports. I love comedians. I follow comedy closely. Nothing annoys me more than when people are offended at a comic. (laughs) Like... If you're offended, if you choose to watch stand-up comedy and you're offended by the comic, just know that's not his fault. That's your fault. It's your fault if you choose to get offended by a comic. The same way if you go to a baseball game and you're not paying attention and get drilled in the face by a ball, that's on you. It's not on the baseball. It's not on the player. It's not. It's on you. When you get drilled at a game for not paying attention, that's on you. In the audience, the consumer is not always right. And when it comes to being offended by a comic, yes, there are exceptions to this. You can bring up Kramer, what he did when he stood on stage a couple, year, couple decades ago. Don't Google that one, kids. There are exceptions to this rule. We understand that. But I don't like that you're talking about that. I don't like that joke. Okay. Don't consume it. Don't watch. Don't buy a ticket. That's the answer. No, it has to be... How dare other people like Dave Chappelle? How dare other people like this entertainment that I think is shameful? Nothing annoys me, annoys me more than that. Except maybe this segment. And I don't know if it's good or not. We call it who's to say. We haven't done it in a while. The premise of the segment is this I am overprepared. I've got a notepad, I've got sheets of paper, I've got an iPad. Think I overprepare these shows. I think about it all the time to the point where somebody gave me some advice in radio. One segment a week, don't prepare anything. Just see what happens. Just talk. And that's the genesis of who's to say. 336-777-1600. If you would like to chime in, this is almost like old school free for all Friday where people can call in and talk about the topics that we don't nearly get to enough. I'm excited to see hockey in a football stadium tomorrow. I have seen football in a baseball stadium. Talking about bowl games, I was at the old Beefo Brady's Bowl. Don't even know what they call it anymore. Maybe the St. Pete Bowl they play in the Rays football stadium. Saw East Carolina win a bowl game there 10 or 11 years ago. So, seen that. What's the next iteration? What's something that we can do in the state playing one sport that's supposed to be played in a given venue in the venue of another sport? I have a couple ideas. You let me know if this is something you would go for. We play college basketball outdoors at a football stadium. Like okay. Let's say we play Duke Carolina and we play it at either Kenan or... Or at Wallace Wade Stadium?
2: I think that would be awesome. Because think about it. Like, we already do indoor football stadiums, technically. Like, for the Final Four and things like that. Sure. And we've done aircraft carriers, outdoor setting. Yeah. So, I actually... I think there's something there. I do. Outdoors.
1: You shouldn't have an issue packing the stadium. Heck, if they had State Carolina from this Sunday... In the football stadium next door? Oh, they'd pack that out too. Easily. Pack. Fun intended. How about football at a NASCAR track? We play, I don't know what teams it would be. How about, you wouldn't want to do a conference game. How about East Carolina facing Appalachian State at Charlotte Motor Speedway?
2: I think that could be interesting. it has May- to be probably
1: slightly bigger fan bases. Maybe State Carolina yeah. playing at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Or if you want to make it App State, you, they could play at North Wilkesboro. There, there you Now that would be ECU, great.
2: ECU, App State, at North Wilkesboro Speedway. Now you want to talk about... You were talking about how drunk Cameron was last time and how drunk we think PNC Arena might be. Woo! Could you imagine... How drunk North Wilkesboro would be. For that game? Uh, Yeah. North Wilkesboro Speedway. (laughs) How much can they pack in there now? Make it happen. Make it so. (laughs) Mm. I love it.
1: How much can they hold is my question. Because North Wilkesboro, I don't think North Wilkesboro can hold more than the football stadium. That's the problem. Charlotte Motor Speedway can. Yeah. That's. What's the point of playing at the speed way if you can have more people at Carter Finley Stadium? That's yeah, the problem I mean, that you run into. This is why it's called "Who's to Say?" Where we haven't thought these through. But to be fair, it's almost like the jump to conclusion mats in the movie Office Space. These are
2: half-baked ideas that we're thinking through right now. To be fair, though. You, you were saying you don't think they can pack it out in North Wilkesboro. Well, Cameron doesn't hold a ridiculously ridiculous amount of people, but boy, that place gets crazy. But the point of playing
1: in a different venue for hockey is, is to get more people. Yeah. So you'd have to do that for football. This is an interesting idea. It comes from Dave and Clemens or Dave and Winston-Salem. NASCAR on a golf course.
2: I don't know about that one. It is a lot of land. (laughs) We're gonna golf cart. (laughs) Run a race. race. We're gonna run a race at Sedgefield. Maybe what we're gonna do. Maybe go kart racing. You got anything you want to talk about today? (laughs) Um, I don't know what I'm gonna do this weekend because I don't have anything to cover. You don't have any games to go to. Well, you can still watch these games. I assume. Sure. You enjoyed the cauliflower sandwich at Chick-fil-A? Grab yourself a few more of those. I thi- am I mean, I, I got the sandwiches from the Chick-fil-A that's in my complex where I live. So, Get yourself another one? It's my Friday night tradition. I go to Chick-fil-A to close the week. Is that actually a tradition for you?
1: Oh, it's been that way for years. I
2: thought it was Costco. Oh. And a movie night,
1: right? I went to Costco for lunch today, man. Hot you dog? want people to look at you funny? Get yourself some gas. Don't shop walk into the Costco and have yourself a bag of chips that you bring in with you.
2: <laughs> you Sit brought them down, in? Eat, you, yeah. You didn't even buy them at Costco? No, because
1: you have to buy them in bulk, WD. <sighs> I've got like a bag of chips. And it's worse. It's not even like the prepackaged Lays. It's, I have a big bag of Lays. I put it into a sandwich bag. These chips. I thought this out. Like
2: a kid at lunch. and That's me.
1: <laughs> I brought with
2: his name on him. I
1: brought it into Costco. <laughs> sat down. I'm by myself, listening to a podcast, eating a hot dog, forgetting that I have a radio interview to do in Charlotte. They call me. Hey, what are you doing right now, John? <laughs> I'm eating a hot dog at a Costco where they keep the cost low. Were you listening to Rewatchables? The Rewatchables podcast? No, was- I was not listening to that actually. Oh. I was listening. What was I listening to today? Huh. It varies. No, I was listening to a podcast, um, James Miller, who wrote the books on SNL and on ESPN. He had a podcast about the making of the movie Almost Famous that I
2: was interested in. I'm never sure you've seen it. that. I, I've never heard uh, t- to that spirit when you were uh, telling me I got to watch uh, Hoosiers. Hoosiers. You're making it seem like this Hoosiers movie that, that you speak you- of. I was like maybe seen to be the
1: greatest sports movie ever. Yeah. It used to be the conversation that like, kind of like Montana was unquestionably the greatest when you yeah. were having the sports conversation in the 90s who the best quarterback was. but like when you were talking about best sports movies, it was Hoosiers or the natural. those were your options.
2: yeah you were you were outside the studio here. I was in here and I was like, is that a soccer movie or a basketball? I, <laughs> and just the look, just the look you gave me. Disappointed in you. Soccer movie. Hoosiers.
1: That's been who's to say. Will we do it again? I don't know.